This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Frasier Productions. Welcome to The Deciders with Renee Frazier. This is Renee Frazier, the founder and CEO of Frazier Communications, the largest woman-loaned and woman-led advertising communications firm in Southern California. At Frazier Communications, we use communications to make the world a better place, changing behavior to grow brands and to positively impact our communities in both the private and public sectors. Most recently, we've been doing COVID-19 messaging and social media messaging for L.A. Department of Health, the public health department, working very closely with Dr. Ferrer, as we are all trying to fight COVID-19. But on the show, The Deciders, we feature leaders in their fields, change agents, interesting research that can help guide our businesses and give us insights into our world. And we ask those leaders and change agents to share their stories and give us tips and advice. Now, lately, we've been hearing more and more about fake news and misinformation on social media, particularly as we move toward the election in November. Our guest today has done considerable research showing that sharing fake news can be deadly in a pandemic like COVID-19, and it can have serious consequences on people's knowledge and perceptions. Our guest is Dr. Nadia Brashear, a postdoc fellow in psychology and neuroscience at Harvard University. Dr. Brashear recently wrote an op-ed in the LA Times that reports fake news is even more dangerous for older people who use social media because they're also at a greater risk of dying from the virus. We know the incidence is much higher for people over 65 and particularly people with underlying conditions. So if they're attending to improper and fake news, obviously it could be detrimental to their health and to how they deal with COVID-19. So let's welcome Dr. Nadia Brashear to The Deciders. Welcome, Dr. Brashear. Thank you so much for having me, Renee. Happy to have you on this show. Tell us some of the reasons you think misinformation and fake news are more prevalent among older people. Right. So I think it's really tempting to fall back on age of stereotypes when we consider that question. So the first of those stereotypes being that older adults are more susceptible to fake news because they're experiencing cognitive declines. Mm -hmm. Many of us implicitly associate getting older with impairment, right? But the science shows that different cognitive abilities actually decline at different rates, and some don't decline at all. So some of these preserved abilities can help older adults compensate for those deficits that they do experience, like memory troubles. So older Mm -hmm. adults might forget, for example, whether a headline was tagged as false, by a fact checker, but they also have a lot more political knowledge that can protect them from misleading claims. So I'd like to push back against the narrative that cognitive declines are even the primary reason for this pattern. Um, And another kind of scapegoat for this sharing behavior is loneliness. There's this persistent cultural myth, I think, that people feel socially isolated as they age. But again, the science shows that older adults aren't the loneliest age group, and we currently don't have any evidence that lonely people share more fake stories. Instead, Mm -hmm. I think that having fewer social partners could translate into a sort of general trust when people approach their news feeds. 
So if older adults are only following close friends and family, they might come to their timeline thinking they can trust the content that they see. And that could be that could be dangerous. And they may also focus more on entertainment than accuracy when deciding what to share. Mm-hmm. There are these social factors at play. And then more obviously, I think older users are at a disadvantage because they have less experience navigating social media. So 10 years ago, only 8% of older adults used a single social media site, and now that figure is up to 40%. So the implication of that is that they may be less aware that algorithms populate their news feeds, um, that bots even exist, that clicking share implies endorsement, all of these things that um, younger people take for granted. It's interesting. I think you're right that there is less knowledge about social media. You know, in my firm, we buy social media and we use it to promote messaging, for example, around COVID-19 for the Department of Public Health. And uh, obviously, we encourage sharing because we do want it to get into circulation. But you're right. right. I think that among older people, they pro- probably don't know what sponsored news is. And we you know, buy a lot of that uh, as a way to... Uh, uh, to gain receptivity to messaging, and just so people know that uh, at the bottom of an article you read, there will be other boxes of articles that look like news, but those are paid for, and they click through right. to something, and those are yeah, always in a context where people will recognize. Uh, we see our health messaging do much better in health context, which makes a lot of sense, and our Lexus advertising does better, you know, when it's an automotive context. So. That kind of sponsored advertising they're also not familiar with, right, as you were just saying. There's a lot of, well, I'll call them tricks to the trade, to the way the uh, industry works that might falsely inform people. Is that fair enough? Yeah, and I think the example that you just mentioned is a great one. Even young adults have a hard time distinguishing editorial from sponsored content, and that's even more true for older adults. Um, That's concerning when we think about... Oh, go ahead. No, that's all right. You go ahead and finish your thought. It's concerning when we think about older adults receiving this information, like uh, hydrochloroquine being effective as a treatment for COVID-19, things like that. Right, exactly. Or things like paid political ads um, that we see on Facebook, for example. Yeah, one of the big issues that uh, you talk about in your paper uh, is the susceptibility to an illusion of uh, truth because of multiple exposures to information. Uh, You want to talk a little bit about the susceptibility to that illusion and whether or not that increases with age? Absolutely. Um, So repetition is a really powerful force. Uh, This is something that politicians and marketers are obviously aware of. People like Donald Trump repeat themselves a lot. So do brands. And it works because it taps into this very basic cognitive shortcut that we use. The things that are easy to understand, we tend to believe. And one way of making things easy to understand is to repeat them. It's easier that second time and even easier the third time, et cetera. And so we find that people show this kind of illusion. They fall for repeated information, even when it comes from a questionable source or when it contradicts things that they know really well, um, they should be able to reject those claims, but now they've heard them a couple of times and they fall for them. Um, we find that right. young and older adults are equally susceptible to illusory truth, um, to that kind of misleading influence of repetition when the topic is something that they don't know very much about. But actually, older adults are more likely to stick with what they know. So. Young adults will fall for direct contradictions of things that they have stored in memory that they know well, 
if they've heard it enough times, but older adults don't. Mm-hmm. That's so good to hear. Where they're actually performing better. The older adults are able to scrutinize. I bring this up too because there's been a series of articles in the New York Times about uh, the retweeting and the also the uh, on YouTube. Uh, they changed the algorithm a couple of years ago so that you would you would see more material that you preferred. So if you like cat videos, you saw a lot of cat videos. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. what it meant on the alt-right side is they were being fed many videos about the same subject, which gave the appearance that there were large groups of people supporting the argument. And as you said, younger people are more likely to fall for that. I think they've built in some ways of now uh, building more balance into the perspective. But I think that was a problem. I, I also know that, uh, as you said, there's been a – a dramatic increase in social media among older people. And candidly, what we see in our research is all people are using social media more as a substitute for the social experiences they don't get uh, because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a separate finding. And you say that researchers have found that falsehoods are much more likely to be retweeted than the truth, even 70% more likely. And why is that? Yeah, interestingly, we can't blame this on Fox because, um, you know, robots spread true and false news at similar rates. So mm-hmm. it boils down to what humans find entertaining. Um, a lot of fake headlines are designed to be novel and appeal to our emotions. So think of claims like Trump sent his own plane to transport 200 stranded Marines. That pulls at the heartstrings, but it's not true. Um, and recent studies suggest that fake news has the appeal of being interesting if true, uh, and that people are more likely to share false content when they're told to rely on their emotion. Right. So, uh, they often go to an emotional headline and share it without even reading the full article, right? Exactly, right. 59% of links on Twitter aren't clicked on first. And so we might also assume people believe and share information that aligns with their political beliefs, but lazy thinking appears to be a bigger factor. So in my own research, I find that people fall back on these cognitive shortcuts, such as whether they've encountered a claim several times, um, when we have to actually prompt them to think about accuracy. So people aren't coming to these social media environments wary of headlines and news stories. Right. So being a critical thinker is one of the key things. I know that you report that during the 2016 presidential campaign, Facebook users over 65 were more likely to share articles from uh, fake news sites as the young young users were, right? They were probably yeah. emotionally connected, you're suggesting, and then seven times more likely. Is that true? Seven times more likely, and that pattern was true on Twitter and on Facebook. So it is the case that they're also encountering more fake news in their, in their news feeds. Um, that's the estimate. But even the exposure rates can't account for exactly how much sharing they're doing. So I would argue that it's partly those social factors, um, trusting their close friends and family not to share fake content, and also these Mm -hmm. sorts of gaps in their media literacy and their comfort using social media. Mm -hmm. I think it's disconcerting as we move into the election cycle. Uh, There's so much information out there, it's difficult for people to fact-check everything. And you're right, when uh, it comes from people you trust, you tend to believe it. I heard an interesting uh, statement, too. There's been a series, again, I listened to a podcast called The Daily, and they've been investigating Twitter and Facebook and other, and talking with the uh, principals of those organizations. And one of the statements they made was that 
the simple beats the complex on social media. Mm. Keeping your claim simple and uh, uh, and repeating it, as you said, means you're much more likely to get absorbed and uh, and retweeted. Uh, complexity makes it harder for people to process. Um, it's probably also related just to how information in the, in the, the brain is is brought in. Would you have you seen evidence of that? That the simpler and more straightforward it is, the easier it is for people certainly to to recall it. I think that ties back to what we were discussing a minute ago about this kind of feeling of ease and that being sort of intuitively appealing to people. Um, we have done some neuroimaging studies suggesting that there is this region in your medial temporal lobe the pararenal cortex that processes that ease. Um, and so that's the activity in that area underlies that illusory truth effect where repeating information makes it more appealing. So I think we haven't studied it in the context of the phrasing of headline, but it would fit with other research suggesting that we like what's easy. You know, you know what's, what's uh, remarkable, of course, we don't do academic research too much. We do some pre-post studies, but when we're doing uh, digital uh, ads and, and social media, we can measure, obviously, the click-through rates uh, and mm -hmm. where they go. And it's an easy way to test which headlines work better and which benefits, even what images work better. Uh, so it's a, as people move into the election cycle, there's a lot of testing going on, and uh, they're narrowing down you know, what messages work best with what segments uh, to convert people in certain ways. But let's talk to about the COVID-19 situation and misinformation. Why do you say that sharing false information can be deadly in a pandemic? So COVID misinformation has overwhelmed social media platforms. In just three days in January, 13,000 different posts on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit spread conspiracy theories, like the idea that coronavirus was created as a bioweapon. Some of the false claims that are circulating are dangerous in a really obvious way. So, you know, for example, that coronavirus is killed by drinking chlorine dioxide. But some of these other claims can be harmful in more indirect ways. So telling people about alleged cures and hoaxes might seem harmless, like asserting that vitamin C prevents COVID. Um, but they could lead to a false sense of security and reduce healthy behaviors like wearing masks or social distancing. Right. I think that is concerning. We, we have seen data that shows that the, uh, a lot of the uh, knowledge is, is linked to political background or uh, one's politics. In other words, uh, Republicans report wearing masks at a lower rate than Democrats. I think, uh, as you're saying, if you get the information repeated to you from trusted sources, you're more likely to believe it, and it could reduce your ability to stop getting the, the condition that, or the infection and the disease. Uh, I should say the infection. Um, that, that could be very serious. What would you recommend older adults think about when they look for information around COVID-19? What would be some of your tips and recommendations to them? So as, I mean, we alluded to this earlier, but be sure to read articles before you share them. Um, so many links on Twitter aren't clicked on before they're shared. And these are missed opportunities to spot signs that a publisher is shady. You know, these, these fake news sites have really poor web design and other signs that you probably shouldn't trust that source. Um, Facebook has offered users 10 tips to spot fake news. Um, and those media literacy tips like look closely at the URL and consider the photos um, actually work and make people more discerning. 
So looking up those tips would be great. And I'd say keep an eye out for bots, which intentionally sow political discord on social media platforms. So be suspicious of profiles that don't have photos or bios, that have very few followers, or that send lots of tweets or lots of posts in short amounts of time. And also, ask ask friends to remove posts that you fact-checked and you determined are fake. That's a good piece of advice as well, that you ask people to remove things when you know they're not truthful and do the fact-checking. I think that helps a lot. Um, I I think that uh, when you look at the the behaviors people can engage in, they have to be, uh, as we talked about a moment ago, critical thinkers and, and be reflective. Do you think older people know that there is a deliberate attempt to manipulate people? Do Are they cognizant of that? I don't know if you do any attitudinal research in addition to this kind of neuroscience research. You know what I mean? To see what attitudes coincide with their behaviors. Right. I think, I, I don't know that there's more or less general trust in the media in, in older adults. I think it plays out when they actually log on and are scrolling rather than some, you know, higher order mindset about that. Right, right. I think that's true. I think, um, you know, there's, a, as you said, you're more knowledgeable the more you use it and your friends use it and talk about it, the more knowledgeable you get. I have a 92-year-old aunt. I doubt if she knows what a bot is, right? I don't think uh, right. she, you know, she's on Facebook to watch all of her family members and she assumes if it's a family member's friend, it's a legitimate person, even if they don't show a picture on their profile. Right, so exactly. They, Mm-hmm. They can take advantage of that. I mean, when you think about the election coming, do you see a, a vulnerability among older people? Uh, they will be uh, played to in certain arguments and with certain information and viral information, knowing that uh, I mean, we know that uh, traditionally older people vote at a higher rate than younger people. And uh, obviously people will want to, you know, to convince them to vote for their side as the election moves forward. That would, that's exactly the point that I would raise, that older adults have higher voter turnout. So they're naturally going to be a group that, say, um, paid political ads target. And I think older adults are le- even less able than young adults, who probably aren't graded at any way, at discerning those ads from news posts, actual news stories. And I think that, as I mentioned, they're, they're going to be more vulnerable to what their potentially younger family family members and friends are sharing. Well, I know you make the point in your article that um, generally older adults uh, prioritize interpersonal goals over accuracy, and they use technology to connect with other people rather than sometimes to gain new information, right? Um, Right. uh, And they might even want to interact with younger people, right? Right. And that is the message, the, the messages that they get in the information. Right. And these these fake headlines tend to be stirring, sensational, emotional. So if you want a reaction from your friends and followers, posting things like that is a good way to get that. Do you think older people are more likely to uh, post those, uh, those stories and to push them forward? Well, that's what those research studies would suggest, that they're as much as seven times more likely. Um, those studies didn't break it down by whether the content was emotional or neutral, but uh, I would argue that most fake news, particularly political fake news, has an emotional tinge to it. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, they're more likely to, you, you, you say in the article, prioritizing inter- interpersonal goals over accuracy, so they might not be as concerned about accuracy? Help me understand how that plays out in this context. Right. And I mean, again, I don't think young adults are necessarily navigating social media, prioritizing learning and sharing only things that are true. It just might be the case that older adults are even less likely to take that approach. Um, And we know that young adults can be nudged to think more about accuracy, even just thinking about an unrelated headline and whether that's true can help them be more discerning in their decisions about other stories and headlines. So those kinds of interventions might be really helpful for older users. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who might be thinking about entertainment value. Mm-hmm. Trusted sources in their environment could be giving them that information as we move closer to the election, right? Uh, newspaper articles, uh, uh, op-ed pieces, uh, uh, churches or synagogues might remind people of these things so that they become a little more discerning, right? Because, uh, you know, you talk in, in, in an interesting way about an accuracy mindset and suspending an accuracy mindset and how that could happen even unintentionally, right? People evaluate information, um, and I guess there's what we call confirmation bias, right? They, they will favor yeah. prior beliefs, right? And uh, let's talk about what, how that can play into the pol- political side if it comes from people that you believe in, right? So we definitely see large effects of political alignment um, or concordance, right? Obviously, people are more likely to believe and share the headlines that align with their political beliefs. But Mm -hmm. we do also see that this, you know, lazy thinking and these cognitive shortcuts are also important. And so if you're an analytic thinker, then you're less likely to share information just because it it fits with your politics. Right. So we know right, that right. it's not necessarily the case. Like older adults aren't less analytic in their thinking than young adults are. So that's probably not the best target for intervention at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, the discerning of fake from real is really can be affected by your politics. You know, in the study, you mentioned uh, research by Pennycock and Rand, which I thought was interesting from 2019. They asked participants to look at the ac- to judge the accuracy of headlines that favored Republican. Hillary Clinton filed for divorce in New York courts. I know there was one that favored the Democrat. Sarah Palin calls to boycott Mall of America because Santa was always white in the Bible. <clears throat> you know those kinds of things. So they right. deliberately kind of clickbait, right, for people that are right. uh, of one point of mine. Tell us a little bit about that research. They they did a cognitive reflection test, right? And uh, let's talk about what that is, because I think that's another way people can kind of force themselves and maybe to be better judges of information. Right. So the cognitive reflection test has items on it like um, if you're running a race and you pass the person in second place, what place are you in? And so you might intuitively think, well, now I'm in first place. Um, That's intuitive, but incorrect, right? And so people who are really good at these kinds of questions, we call those people analytic thinkers. They pause and rethink that kind of knee-jerk answer. So those people are better at distinguishing fake from real headlines, even when they align with their politics. Right, right. 
right? So being that kind of reflector is another way to uh, try to uh, uh, pause your mind, think about it, read the full article like you said, be aware of bots, check the sources of the material and the URL. These are all ways to uh, pay attention. What are some of the things, and we'll close with this, that the social media companies should be doing? Right. So, you know, slowing people down and nudging them to consider accuracy makes them more discerning. So platforms could require an extra click to share links and prompt people to think about things like, is this information biased or unlikely to be true? So adding friction in this way could benefit users of all ages, but it could be especially helpful for older adults. With that said, I'm not holding my breath because Facebook and Twitter might be reluctant to make changes that actually make their platforms more difficult to use. Well, you know, it's interesting. I heard an interview with the head of uh, Twitter. They're actually experimenting with just what you said. They realized that when they created the buttons at the bottom, they, you know, putting the share button so close to the like button mm. allowed people to share too quickly. They're actually moving things around and trying to get people to be more discerning. I think they really called the task uh, by the Congress. So let's hope there is some change here. <laughs> yeah, I and hope the, so. I think even just a couple seconds of additional thought can be really helpful. I think it would be a good idea. Well, listen, this has been fascinating. I appreciate the advice that you shared. I've learned a lot. This has been Dr. Nadia Brashear. Uh, aging the era of fake news is what we're really talking about. Any one last piece of advice you'd like to give to our audience, Dr. Bashir? I would just say slow down, read the article, pause before you share. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been great talking with you. Stay safe and stay well. And to our listeners, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, Fraser Communications is a full-service advertising and communications firm. You can reach us at FraserCommunications.com to learn more. And please listen to our shows at FraserCommunications.com. Our podcasts are recorded there. You can get more information about our schedule as well. Have a wonderful week ahead. Stay well. Stay healthy. Please wear your masks, social distance, and don't forget to wash your hands frequently. Have a great week ahead. This is Renee Frazier from The Deciders. This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Frasier Productions.